Florida. As you can see behind Chris and I, we have some sunny, glorious weather going on down here in Tampa. That is just what our windows look like. We need to clean them, right? No, that is called, it is so muggy outside that the cold air in here is making the windows look like that. Hey, Chris, what's up, brother? What's going on? Man, it's that time again. What time is it? Time for Auto Dealer Live. <laughs> All right, man. All right. Hey, Cribs, this, listen, with uh, the, the, uh, the push and growth of Auto Dealer University and what we've been doing, you know, it's a hit or miss with who we're going to have on the show. And at the last minute, Cribs had a demo that would have allowed him to end in time for the show. But the demo got pushed. So guess what? Chris Cribs just jumped on the demo as we were coming in. And, of course, uh, uh, we were on a call last week until about nine minutes after and came on right as we were in, entering the uh, in, uh, interviewing the guest or introducing the guest. But we do have the one and only Joe Calla with us today. Joe, man, I'm excited about today's show. We're going to delve into some controversial topics, some things that we have not talked about on the show in a little while, but um, they're no stranger to the show. The topics we talked about, we're going to get into them a little bit. Cribs was looking really forward to this, and maybe he'll be able to come in halfway through, but we're going to get into this with our guest, and so let's talk about this on the monologue. We're going to talk about... We're going to talk about old school versus new school. We're going to talk about what really is old school, right? You hear this all the time. And, um, but you know, it's interesting because we were on the call, a call with a really uh, forward-thinking group the other day when uh, with training, you know, a nine-store group. I mean, multi-million dollar, huge group, just knocking it out of the park. They're marketing properly. They're doing everything. So they're not old school. But when it comes to training, the, uh, the training director buying into our training was telling me how they're one of the few dealerships that are progressively pursuing the Foursquare approach when it comes to their process, and um, and they're happy to do it, and they wanted some spe uh, specific training on desking interactions, and so we thought how appropriate it would be to bring this conversation to our guest today and to our audience. Let's talk about Foursquare, menu selling. You know, I know that there's some e-penciling, right, some things out there. Let's talk about other topics that are similar to process-driven, you know, um, up system versus not. Should it be an open floor, right? Let's talk about um, you know, let's talk about, uh, you know, desking practices, what, what's old, what's new, what's today, what's not. And, and Joe, man, I know this is near and dear to your heart. I think it'd be a great topic to talk about. And, uh, what's your thoughts? Well, I think that there's a lot that we can get from the old and still use today. Mm -hmm. I see it being used. I see a lot of dealers actually just talked to a dealer principal the other day who we were, we were going through the training platform and asking them, well, how do you go ahead and do numbers? What, what does it look like to your store? He's like, well, we, we use the sheet that comes out of Solutions and it has like the nine options. He's like, but I actually personally like the Foursquare. Right. Like, I wish we would use that more. So, you know, so, so some of his people use it. Some of them use the, the nine different options where they have, you know, some stores, they present a lease on every single pencil. I think well, it's very smart. Yeah. And, and I'd like to know too, Chris, you know, we, we've even had some folks, you know, on the show, we haven't had them on in a while, but it might be time to revisit, you know, some of these past guests as well and get some new perspectives or maybe delve into this a little more, you know, because um, we've even had this and where does this challenge possibly the road to the sale, right? The, the process, somebody uh, we had on the show, I mean, a reputable guy. I mean, uh, it's actually Joe Webb is a great guy, a good friend of ours, um, love Joe to death. And Joe talks about the road to the sale being really dead 
and makes no bones about it. And so then you have others that, I mean, swear by it. And so we obviously agree and believe in a process, but I mean, you know, some out there are saying that the, the road to the sale or the classic, you know, 10 step or whatever road to the sale is dead or it needs to be modified or it's archaic. And, you know, my, my question is this, and I'm, and I'm kind of right down the middle, man. I, I you know, I, I see both sides and I have friends on both sides. I, I want to know, you know, when I see someone trying to change something, a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times change like that when it comes to processes, you know, it's not always because it needs to be changed. It's sometimes because it's not being trained properly or possibly, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's easier to train in a softer way or maybe people have moved away from, you know, such maybe an aggressive approach or maybe there's transparency to the point where kind of gross has gone away. I, so what, what's, the, what, what's all this about, man? Weigh in on this a little bit in your opinion. I want to get the guest on here in a minute. And let's well, actually, what... I think Joe is better to answer that than, than me. Oh. That particular right. question, I, I think Joe is actually better to answer that than me. So you don't know. Well, let me just say this. Because it takes, what it you takes were, a man to admit that. Well, you were talking. Well, you were just well saying, I mean, he's, he's, he's more versed in this arena than I'm I just wondering your opinion in general. You know, I mean, it just in processes. But that's okay. Joe, go ahead. Well, I was actually going to go down a different angle with this, to be honest Dirt. with you. I actually had somebody who I was just talking to. Uh-huh who's a uh, BDC rep, right? and they said, how do I prove that Car Guru sucks? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I said, to be honest with you, maybe you might want to take a different angle. And instead of proving that it doesn't work, mm -hmm. prove that you've done everything you can to make it work. And if it doesn't, by you doing what, it, what they said to do to get the maximum results, and then it doesn't work, then you cut it. So in other words, my philosophy is I'm not trying to prove that this sucks, this, this, BD, this uh, lead source provider or this particular company or whatnot. What I'm trying to do is, okay, we have it. It's like people who say, okay, look, you know, uh, auto trader, right? We're spending too much money with them every month. We're going to go ahead and just get rid of them. Well, are you using them to the maximum that you're supposed to use them? Are you using the pro the process that they say is going to deliver the greatest results? Like right. True car. People say, well, true car. Oh, it's just, they're, they're terrible. They're whatever. Okay. Well, are you using the backend tools? Are you using the products the way they're supposed to be used? And then after you've exhausted everything, doing a hundred percent, the way they said, that's going to deliver you the, the great mm -hmm. results. Yeah. And it doesn't give you the great results. Then you just, drop them yeah so i, so I love that approach because i like that because, well let me, let me chris let me read a couple comments here too because i want to also throw this in to 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 not to to right mm. uh, listen because the reality is you know i mean there's there's folks out there that don't to anymore you know um and uh is is that a training issue is that in a store i ever worked at you you instantly fired. Goodbye. Okay, I, I agree. Showroom. You know, some here we have 100%, but there's some stores that don't agree with that anymore. That mm -hmm. don't have that philosophy. That you know, the customer smells it. They don't like it. They don't want. It, they think it hurts the customer experience. So, also, do the do you to early on? Do you come into the, at the end, or should the manager be introduced early on? And I think our guests can weigh yes. in on that. Jennifer Briggs said a matrix, right? She said that's the nine options form. Scroll yeah. up. Let's read some comments here. Um, Tyler Southern, by the way, said T-O-T-O. -T -O. Sean Hayes said, love all these people. Amen. What's up, Sean? Andrew Breedlove, your process is more important than your product, period. You want to gross? You want gross? Get transparent and show integrity. your integrity. So, okay, so then that, I'm trying, I'm thinking based on Andrew's comment that maybe he's, it's not that transparency, right, is, is anti any of these things that we're talking about, but possibly the way he put that comment out there, he could be anti some of these uh, some of the you know, four square and things like that because he's talking about because of the way he ended it right mm -hmm. the comment um, Jennifer Briggs transparency does not cut 
gross failure to build value does. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the, now that will be considered old school thinking in some in some circles, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't think it is. I think when value exceeds a price, it's not an issue. When value exceeds right. fear, it's not an issue. When value exceeds it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so go ahead, Joe or Chris. Oh, I was just gonna say. I mean, it's I'm all about tos. I, I just. Every store I've ever worked at, we've had a hundred percent TO policy. Mm-hmm. I've literally fired salespeople for not TOing after mm-hmm. a couple of warnings. I mean, especially today. I mean, it costs so much to acquire a customer in your showroom. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, we as general managers and owners of stores, you don't look at people as people anymore. You're looking as okay, that cost me four hundred and fifty dollars to walk in the door. That's a four hundred and fifty dollar bill walked in the door. Right. And to not TO it. Um, it's, it's just mind boggling to me. Uh, Sean yeah. Hayes said, uh, Sean Hayes said hundred percent TO policy. Yep. Sean Hayes, early manager interaction. Michael Berkwood says gut quote in quotes is not a KPI. So gut is not a key performance indicator. I, and I agree with that all the time, but however, you know, I think that gut is, if you got gut, right. If you got, if you got a six cent, I mean, that is, there is something to that as well, because I mean, big deals, fast deals, right. Um, you know, deals are cut on, on, on having an instinct, so to speak. But then the reality is if you don't measure, I think you have to have both. If you don't measure, you know, if you don't use your gut, you may never get started. But if you don't use measuring tools and you don't use KPIs, what, what's my key performance indicators, then you're not going to last. So I think it's all there, sure. right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, then and then we look at service. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how does that integrate, you know? <clears throat> A lot of people are, are getting service BDCs now in right. place. You know, some are just letting the advisors and the ASMs do everything. They're doing... Right. You know, helping the customer, taking the inbound calls, making the the phone the outbound calls, and and they're just you know so it's it's what are the differences and how do we integrate that into you know whether it's in sales or in going into the service lane as well. You know that's another topic too. You know, there's always a great debate: should I have a BDC? Should I have my salespeople? My salespeople are properly trained; they should mm-hmm. take these calls. Cradle to grave. Yeah, that's that's another Hybrid great topic yep. too. And, it's it is, and that's one of those ones I'm on the fence on. To be quite honest with you, I mean, I've been in stores that had great BDCs, and I definitely, I, I'm a strong proponent of BDCs. But then on the other hand, I've also been, before there was a BDC, I've been in stores where we took the calls. Yeah. Well, so, the, the key is it's not, it's, it, it makes sense. If you're going to ask the question in a perfect sterile world or environment, the answer to the question would have to be 100% of the time, your salespeople handle the, the calls as a BDC. The problem is the first part of that is not the case with all stores. So <laughs> so the reality is, you know, you know, I know we used to have this debate with Alan Ram and, you know, and Sean Bradley, they initially had this debate four or five years ago, mm-hmm. you know, but it really, it really, it came down to both were right, you know, it, it, but it comes down to a business model versus what in an ideal world you would want to have. And, you know, it also, the rea- comes, it also comes down to plain and simple training. Yeah. I well, mean, it really is really a process and implementation training. of yeah. it as well. Execution. Yeah. I mean, that's, you, you get some dealers that will sit there and tell you, well, the only reason why we have BDCs <laughs> today is because salespeople are lazy. All right. So here's Jennifer. We, we, I want to, I want to go back to your service one second, but Jennifer Briggs said something and this is, this is, we're going to bring our guest on in just maybe three minutes here. So get ready. We've got, I'll just let you know who's on. We've got Scott Simons, general manager, managing partner, Valley Automotive Group. we got Chrysler, Dodge, Honda, Jeep, Nissan, Ram, Subaru, VW. This is the man, the myth, the legend. This guy is great to talk about everything that we've been bringing up. we got Jennifer Briggs, marketing director, Tom Wood Automotive. Is that right, Lou? 
Okay, is that her accurate? Okay, make, make sure she'll, she'll, she'll get all. Lou did it, Jen, if I'm wrong. All right, Marcus Stone, GSM <laughs> at Christy Huber Chevrolet. Also host a podcast uh, that you guys are, 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 are I'll let, you tell, let him tell you more about that. Joey Book, sales team manager at Lewis Ford Sales in Arkansas. And, and so Jennifer just said, whoa, <laughs> what are we going to talk about here? Scroll up, Lou, let me see your comment. What are we going to talk about? Up, oh, down. Uh, what are we going to talk about? Uh, desking, training, service, or BDC? All of the above. We're going to let you guys pick your poison. We really want to talk about anything controversial, right? And uh, we're going to let these experts come right in here in just a minute. But before we do, I just want to go back to your service comment, Joe. And I'm glad we were talking about that really quick because you know all of these products, because they have become really the core of every service center on the planet, on planet Earth, my friend. No, they have. Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, but I'm concerned, to be honest with you. Ooh. Why, why are you concerned? Well, all, while all these products are great and they're needed, I mean, why have the numbers in service become harder and harder to get and maintain? Why do they seem to be falling backwards in all these categories? Right. Well, do you know what? Let me, well, I, yeah, absolutely. Do you know what MPIs, menu boards, tablets, online reservations, texting, email, and video on the drive all have in common? What? You guys know that? Mm -mm. You don't know. None of them, none of them, not a one of them can look a customer in the eye and ask for the sale, right, in such a way that the customer not only says yes, and that's really the that's the goal, right, for them to say yes, but also they give you a perfect service score, return to do business with you for years, continue to purchase their vehicles from you. That's a big one, guys, mm -hmm. because there's people stealing vehicle sales out of the service drive all the time, mm -hmm. right, conquesting it. And only one thing can, and that is your advisors, period. You know, you know, listen, I never thought about it that way. Well, I had not thought of it that way either until I talked to my good friends over at Jeff Cowan's Pro Talk, and they pointed it out. Listen, they pointed out that all, although they love the technology, and who, and who doesn't, right? I mean, listen, we're not riding around on horses and, and, and chariots, okay? But here's the deal. you got to love the technology, but they also know that much of it does not do what it's intended to do because the average advisor is never trained in the art of selling and therefore does not know how to properly communicate. If you want to find out how to make this thing rain at your dealership, reach out to Jeff Cowan. His info is on the screen, and you won't be disappointed. Hey, we'll be right back. Make sure you share the show. We do have some stuff to give away. We're going to give away a hoodie. We're going to give away a long sleeve t-shirt. and going to give away a book today. Share the show, and you got a chance to win. We'll be right back in 90 seconds with Scott Simons, Jennifer Briggs, Marcus Stone, and Joey Book. Don't go anywhere. Often get asked about success stories. These are just a few of our most recent favorites. Mr. Villa. Mike Young here, Thurston Auto Plaza, Ukiah, California. Hey, I'm calling just to let you know that uh, three months following your training, uh, I was able to achieve level three sales status, 45 units in 90 days. First time that I've achieved that in my career. Flying high, like you said, never the same, man. I cannot thank you enough. Your training seriously changed me, man. David, I would like to go ahead and let you know, after 30 years in the car business, there's been very few people who have motivated me to want to go ahead and train more. And I would like to go ahead and say that I would personally come work for you and do and follow you into any sales process that was ever open or any opportunity. Thank you very much years. for bringing it, and I've been doing it for 30 years. And I really find what you do in front of the camera very motivating. Thank you. Charles Fresca. He's been here five years. I've been here for three months. Charles Fresca has been 12 to 14 car guy. I set him down and we've been doing some one-on-ones and we went through Own the Phone. We went through the Growth 101 and we went through the new car training. And Charles is not a new guy. Mm -hmm. Charles is an old guy that's skipping steps, putting back on the basics. Went through yeah. it. Last month, Charles did 22 cars. Come on. 
All right, we're back. Auto Dealer Live. You're listening to Chris Fritcher, David Villa, and Joe Kawa. I said Kawa. <laughs> Joe Kawa. Jerry Gallo. Yeah, I was on fire, too. Jerry Gallo. Dave Cripps is going to be joining us in just, just a minute. Um, hey, something was brought to my, my attention over the break that Lou uh, want, apologized for, but it's no big deal, man. But just for you guys that are listening that see something a little different, they, he accidentally went live from my personal page today. We uh, So I'm not really no, sure. No big deal. You know, no big deal. Bless. That Lou will be working for Audio No, it's good. But so we're if those of you that are catching it and not catching it or getting it shared from the wrong place, sorry about that. But we're live somewhere. Hey, Scott Simon, Jennifer Briggs, Marcus Stone, Joey Booker on the line with us. Let's go right to them. I'm gonna throw it to Joe Calla for the first question. Joe. Well, hey, I'm gonna go right into we started talking a little bit about the BDC cradle to grave hybrid, a little bit of both kind of, you know, Jennifer Briggs. I want to start with you. What do you think is the most effective for, and again, this is a loaded question, but the most effective model to be able to generate revenue, volume, everything in between? Well, that depends on who actually is running the store. And I know we've had this conversation on the show before. Um, I, if it were my dealership and my name was on the side of the building, it would be the sales rep, cradle to grave. But then again, I hold my team to a different level of accountability than most dealerships do in, in this country. So, and I know this has been, oh, Jennifer, you're on either side of it. I'm not on either side of it. Whatever actually gets you more opportunities to put people in front of your sales reps hmm. is the best method for your store. My dealership, with the name on the side of the building, it would be cradle to grave. But a lot of stores, and, and the issue is not the BDC or not to BDC. Ultimately, is are you holding your managers accountable to actually holding their team accountable because if we could fix that spot we actually i just left a two-hour uh corporate meeting talking about how we can improve our efficiencies in utilizing the tools that we have to hold our management teams accountable to what we expect to have happen in the store yeah uh, does that answer your question joe it does. That was a great answer, as a matter of fact. Yeah, yeah if I can, if Jen, I, you know, we have talked, this is David, we have talked about that a lot. You're right. And you probably were part of some of those, many of those conversations when we did talk about it. And we wanted to bring back with you guys, especially because of the guests, the caliber guests we have on today, some of these controversial issues, because I think that there's still, you know, some of them, it's something that weird about the industry. You mentioned like you, how, how you would do it, but as opposed to, and you said the word like most of the car business, because it's seemingly weird in the car business. Like, you know, if somebody can't figure something out a lot of times, and I'm talking at the, as the whole, not like rock stars and movers and shakers that kind of, you know, stick together, but some of the other, some of the dealers that are out there, they just kind of like stop doing it. If they can't figure it out, they just they just don't do it. So like there, sometimes you know I noticed the, the you know the OEM was hot on a BDC and we need to have this and but if a dealer can't figure it out, they kind of just like throw stuff against the wall sometimes, you know. And I'm not really sure why, you know, that happens. Well, so, they, they push that pool of money out to the middle of the lot, David, and set it on fire. They do. Okay, let me let me go to thank you. Let me go to Scott on that. Scott, I mean, I know you don't do this, so maybe you can't even relate to it. But some of your buddies do. Some guys, you know, you know, somebody that might call you and try to say, "Hey, how can I grow my business?" And then you listen to them and you see the things they're doing wrong. Why is it that sometimes in the car business, you know, if we can't figure something out, you know, it's is it it's seemingly like just times passing and car sales are going by us, and and so we just kind of do what's in front of us, and then we just you know we just sometimes avoid it if we can't figure out the best way to do it. I mean, do you, do you have a, an opinion on that, Scott? 
Well, Dave, first of all, uh, thank you for having me on with these other panelists. There's a lot of people that I know and respect, and I see quite a few of the comments of people listening in. I really appreciate that. Um, you know, to BDC or not to BDC, uh, how we handle it here at Valley, we have five separate stores within a campus in separate buildings. We call it direct sales department and indirect sales department. Direct sales departments, they take the deal from beginning to end. At our Honda store and Subaru store, we take them from beginning to end. At BW, CDJR, and Nissan, we sell to appointment. And we so we kind of see each store, what is the level of, of staff, what's the level of talent, kind of what works with that manufacturer. We track closing ratios. So we kind of run them all a little bit differently. And we like to have each one of them has a little bit of autonomy. Now, will we go to a BDC model where we sell to appointment? Probably. Um, it's just with the talent that I have, which I have extremely talented people, this is what works best for us. And I think that you have to be adjustable. You have to be adjustable to the market. You have to be adjustable to the team. You have to be adjustable to the franchise. You know, we track, you know, every opportunity. But we tell our people all the time, whenever you get that opportunity, it costs $89 for you to answer that phone, answer that uh, Internet you know, uh, lead uh, before you walk up to that customer that comes on the showroom floor. And so what we tell our staff is, think about it. If you have to hand me $90 before you talk to that customer, how would you handle that customer differently? Yeah. And then one thing also uh, that I just did, uh, which is kind of an interesting thing to do, which I've got really good feedback. I went to all five of my GSMs. Uh, I have a GM, one GM of four GSMs. And I said, guys, if I leave tomorrow, what would you do differently? And please, you know, there's no repercussions. I'm not leaving tomorrow. But I asked them because they're day-to-day in the operations of that store. And the feedback that I've got back from my team, I went and made immediate changes on some of their suggestions because I just assumed, you know, I assumed that things were going the way. So I value their opinion. Uh, I took action on some of their suggestions. So those are just some of the little things that we do differently here at Valley. And we've had a lot of growth. 2010, we bought... Honda VW, 2014, Nissan Subaru, 2016, we acquired the Chrysler Dodge Jeep brand store. 2019, we just bought another Chrysler Dodge Jeep brand store that's in another town. Nice. So that's kind of just, you know, how we've handled the BDC, not the BDC, and getting a lot of input from our associates. Okay. All right, perfect. And, and so and, and does anyone, before we kind of shift, and we want to try to get a couple of these other topics in as well, does uh, Joey or, or Marcus, do you guys want to comment on the BDC question? Do you have something else to add to that? Would one of you guys want to add to that, or, or um, is it okay to shift now? I'm going to give you guys a chance to weigh in if you'd like. Yeah, I would be – this is Marcus, and thanks again for having me on. I would love to chime in. I'm a firm believer in living in the gray area, and mm-hmm. I believe that it's specific specific to your market and your store as well, too. A lot of problems that dealers have is they try to apply a one-size-fit-all cookie-cutter philosophy, and it's just not the same everywhere you go in the United States. I'm a firm believer of having a BDC primarily because it frees up the salespeople to do what they do best, which is sell cars. Obviously, you have to invest in your salespeople. You have to train them and, and whatnot. But primarily what they're really exceptional at is selling cars. That's why you actually have them there. You want them to excel in one thing that they're extremely great at and, you know, work on little things that they can use a little bit of help with, like phone, working a service drive, prospecting, and things of that nature. But when you have a BDC that's set up to where the only thing that they do every single day is get people through the store, they become experts at so that your BDC can become experts at getting people through the store and your salespeople can become experts at selling them. It's a full circle. That's just my opinion. Thank you. 
Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank, thank you very much. You. And uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Briggs, you made a comment here too. And uh, I want to go to this. You said you want to talk about desking. And uh, so, you know, what? let's 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 talk about wh what's so controversial today. Right. The right way, or the wrong way. Old school, new school. I love the fact that I'm, I wasn't sure if you were saying I am old school in the comment earlier or if you were saying I'm old school, like like, hey, hey, I'm being called old school. So I don't know. But I want to let you kind of take the floor here and maybe take us into the direction and uh, ask the question and and answer it. <laughs> and so go ahead, Jennifer. No, no, I'm totally old school. For those of you who uh, haven't been to my LinkedIn page, it actually says marrying old school sales tactics and new school technology. Mm. Like that's that's my mo. And so I'm super old school when it comes to desking. And it doesn't matter if it's a Foursquare or if it's a Matrix or if you're just going to give three options and put the lease next to the purchase. That part doesn't matter. I think what we've lost today, and, and you guys, please, I would love to hear from the other guests on, on their opinion and maybe how you're training your form. Because one of the things, I just had this conversation with somebody, and they're like, oh, all these internet deals are spinning. And I'm like, why are your internet deals spinning? Like, we're averaging, you know, three around three grand a copy on, on the internet deals. So my question to everybody on the panel is, when you send them out from the desk, are we asking for all the money, confident that our team has sold the value, or are we just sending them out there with a hope and a hope? Mm. Joey, won't you won't you chime in on that? That's a really good question. Yeah, yeah Joey, we'll let you go first, man. Yeah, I, I love what she just said, old school tactics with new school technology. I was just thinking old school versus new school. You're You're wanting to get the veteran to do what the new generation does, and you're wanting to get the new generation to do to do the steps of what the veterans did as far as prospecting follow-up for the veterans, what they did to be successful. Mm. And then you're wanting the veterans to also be the new generation and post on social media and pick up so they don't get left in the dust and, you know, turn into the dinosaurs of the car business. You know, there, there's no newspaper anymore. It's, it's still calling people off of Craigslist and Facebook marketplace of, Hey, we want to buy your car it's not a newspaper anymore, but if, if they don't pick up that new generation, then they just kind of stay there, you know? Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, Scott, let me go back to you for a second on, on that topic as well. I mean, I love the fact, by the way, we have so many stores and I, and I love the leadership. I mean, when you answered that question a minute ago, I mean, I just heard leadership where, mm -hmm. you know, there's principles there, but at the same time, you're letting your team make a decision and basing it on, you know, not just a way that maybe you would do it, but you're, you're allowing them to operate in their giftings and talents and strengths. So, mm -hmm. you know, but at the same time, let's talk, let's talk about desking and, and maybe even, uh, you know, weigh in on, on, you know, not only the way you, you would do it, but, but why, why do we see such a, uh, I guess such a, um, uh, two sides, so to speak Two you know, why do we see, you know, one side and against another side when it comes to, you know, four square, it comes to this kind of uh, practices. I was talking to someone yesterday. He's, a, he's actually a client and a friend of mine for, for almost 15 years, and I mean, he's a really good car guy, but he was frustrated, and I was on the phone with him talking about something else, and I didn't tell him this. wasn't my place, but one of his new guys walked up, and I mean, he ripped this guy, put kind of like put the phone down, ripped this guy one side to the other, and the guy, I guess, changed cars, and he's only $600, you know, uh, off from where, where the customer wanted to be on the car, and, and, and didn't, you know, and just basically, the guy just said, man, how long have you been doing this? Three weeks. I've been, you know, he just ripped him up, and, and then when he got, the guy went away, he goes, 
goes, man, I can't stand new salespeople because I can't tell you how much I can't stand new salespeople. And he may have been having a bad day. Okay. I know he's a great guy, but I mean, I think that it's a training issue is where I'm going with this. And so Scott, I'm gonna let you weigh in, you know, and, and, uh, just kind of bring this, your, your, you know, your, uh, your, uh, bring some, some light to this topic a little bit on, in your opinion. Yes, we. Um, I think more in the rural areas, you'll see people using more of the uh, four squares with the Sharpies. You know, obviously, if you do any type of research, consumers, when they come to purchase a vehicle, they want transparency. They want to feel like that they got a fair deal. They don't really necessarily feel like that they got the best deal. Um, so the, the, the Sharpies and the four squares really need to go from all areas of the business. Um, it's really used for deception. It's really used for art of confusion. And, you know, you might get over on a customer once or twice. Typically, they come back and complain because they go back and, re, you know, look over the numbers or they uh, just don't return, period. And those are the worst type of situations to have. So we, we happen to be a VIN solution store. You know, we, we pencil every customer with scenarios, with money down, um, and we just make it a, a very transparent process. Uh, but there's really no... No room anymore for uh, the the uh, green sharpies and you know writing all over a, a piece of paper to where you're just absolutely confused and that, that's just the way it used to be done. I mean, everybody was trained on a four square, um, and the people that typically have them is because uh, they just haven't changed with the times. But you know, if you research, everybody should <laughs> you should throw the sharpies in the trash can and put the four squares away and give people payments and give them options. Every every customer should be quoted the least. Every every customer should be quoted. We you know we use a payment matrix which is given to us by Zurich, which is the company that we use, and we have training um, all the time. We not only train our finance managers and use a menu, but we also train our employees. Um, you know, we, we have trainer we have training all the time. I had a gentleman just start with us on the floor and he said, Man, you know, I was in the medical field before, you know, selling medical devices and he said, I've got more training at your car dealership than I did before, you know, in the medical field, which I was blown away. Um, we have we we not only train them on the car industry, but we also train them on life. We actually mentor our people about how to read credit bureaus, you know, how what, what's their credit score, max out their four hundred one K. So we do much more than, you know, just train on whether you should do a four square or not. We train them on life. But no four squares should should go away. I know some people use them in the rural areas, but there's no there's no room for it in the auto industry. Mm, that's okay. great. That's a Joe? great answer. Yeah. I, I wanna uh, just say this too. And I guess we can go ahead and, and jump down to uh, Marquise on this or Marcus on this. Um, you know, when you, your people are going out to present numbers, are you having them go out on the first pencil or going out with the, uh, you know, however you guys present numbers? Or is it the manager that you're sending out to do that? Like I just, and it's, at the, it's that TO again, going back to the TO and how they TO. Um, you know, I know some, you know, stores that they just, you know what, you know, they call the floor manager in, you know, come here, come here. Listen, man, he can't, he has no control over this guy. He's just, this customer is dragging him all the way and he's belittling the salesperson. He's not taking a coaching moment or try to give him any type of, you know, you know, confidence to go and do anything. Just go out there and go hit him with these numbers. Watch him. He's going to show you how to close this deal. You know what I mean? Like, yep. you know, t speak to that Marcus, if you could, how do you guys do it? Yeah, so before I touch into that, I want to talk about how important that, that early TO is because if a manager does have to come out there or and should come out there in most situations, you don't want that to be the first time, like kind of like the guy behind the curtain and the Wizard of Oz and whatnot. So getting that early TO so that customer has that familiar face there, knowing that when I come out, it's the A, 
help you to buy this car as opposed to be slam or hammer you into buying this car you send me for the first time and the only thing that I'm do and doing is trying to convince you at that point. So when it comes to uh, presentation of the numbers, I also believe in the transparency as well. We're a Venn solution store and you know there's a little itemization there of the cost of the car, the trade, your taxes, fees, how much you're financing, and then down payment and monthly payment options. If you do any research online, you'll see that customers really love the transparency. There are literally hundreds of YouTube videos out there right now mm-hmm. of either consumers or people that used to be in the car business that's talking about the Foursquare, and they have millions of views, and if you read the comments, everybody's against it. I mean, again, I'm researching these videos still daily, uh, figuring out the trends of our business, but salespeople uh, present the numbers at our store, and then what's really cool is we don't really have a back-and-forth policy. We have a no-haggle pricing guide, and we actually price our vehicles either to the market or below market value just to try to get you know a little bit more volume in there. If a customer tries to rebuttal, the salesperson has built the value the entire time to show our customers, hey, you came in on this vehicle for a reason. Specifically, you drove X amount of time to get here. You know that the pricing is good. I know you're going to try me on. But again, if you like the car, the dealership, and me as a salesperson, all the value is built there. So let's just go ahead and wrap this up. If a customer's stubborn, then obviously a manager goes out there, and then that's where the salesperson gets the learning opportunity to see from the best salesperson on the floor, which is the manager, how to overcome those uh, obstacles with that customer. Okay, per, thank you, Marcus. Jennifer, you. let me ask you, and you can wait. We can. We, I just wanted to bring throw one more little thing in because, you know, a lot of times it seems it's it, and this is just a, a, an observation that possibly some of, with some of these things that change and shift. Also, some of the you know that's where we kind of say, well, you know, this this pressure on a customer, you know, needs to go away, and you have you have dealers that advocate that. So where where do you come in on you know you know dehorsing a customer? What happens? Where's this be back come in? I mean, how many times is it is are there dealers that are losing? I should say because they don't know how to do this and they're not really going this direction, losing opportunity just for the customer now to be hot, ready, almost there, right? And then goes across the street or goes somewhere else and buys because they go to a more aggressive dealership that that finishes it. I mean, where does that come in today in in the car business in general, Jennifer? You know what? I love that question. And I don't think it's about being aggressive. Mm -hmm. I think it's about, again, it all comes back to the value of the relationship. Mm -hmm. Because if I can't close you on that car and you go across the street and you buy the exact same car, it wasn't the car, it wasn't the payment, it was the fact that I failed to create value in the relationship I bring to the table. Mm -hmm. Are there going to be people that need to sleep on it? Yes. But if from the get-go, whether it's an internet app, a phone app, or a showroom app, if my team creates the engagement and builds the value in that relationship the right way, it's never a question. We will sell them that car. But where we fail as dealers is we are just worried about one and done. We are worried about getting that deal. We're worried about closing them. We're worried about hitting that. If we, and I, I train my teams this all the time. Average gross profit, 2500 in in the country, maybe a little bit more, a little bit less, depending on where you are. But the lifetime value of that customer is a quarter of a million dollars, up to $3 million if they become an advocate for you. And the problem isn't that you're not aggressive enough. The problem is you don't care about your customer enough to create the relationship and the value in that relationship with you and your team. That's so, the problem. So, so you just said about not having that one and done uh, mentality. So how do you or how do you create that for your team after the sale? What does it look like? 
to make sure it's not just a one and done and they'll never come and buy again. Yes, you sold them the car, they're over the curb, they're busting bugs, whatever you want to say. But at the end yeah. of the day, how do you make sure that that stays in uh, the family? What are your, What is your team, That's what does it look like after that? We go old school on that, Joe. We go old school on that mm-hmm. because here's the thing. It, and somebody had said it, and I know I put a comment in there earlier, uh, is that it, back in the day, you used to teach sales reps to prospect. When I first started, it was, okay, you could depend on before traffic for 50% of your sales, you had to generate the rest. This was before social media. This was before any of that. So to train your team, you have to teach them the value of a referral. You have to teach them how to get those things. You have to teach them how to nurture it. You have to teach them how to be old school sales professionals, right. not sales people, well, professionals. And I think that and, also, and go ahead. I love what Scott's doing. He's training his team the right way, but that doesn't happen in most stores. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, real quick about that, I think that talks about the value of your CRM. How do you maximize that value by keeping that customer engaged after the sale, the birthday calls that salespeople can't stand, the anniversary calls, the continued follow-up after the sale, that kind of stuff, I think, and it goes like you said, it may seem like it's an old school thing, but that is very much today necessary to create that lifelong customer. Joey, let me go to you really quick as as a sales team manager there. I know Matt Lewis and we had... uh, uh, one of your sales guys on the show a couple weeks ago. That's a that's a beast there as well. I know Matt runs a great organization. You've been there a long time now. As a person who's is a, who's a team manager over salespeople, I love that, and I love the way the industry's going with uh, with that coach, so to speak. How do you teach desk interactions? I mean, because that's a big deal, right? And a lot of people that I've seen, you know, just kind of, you know you know, kind of just ball, it kind of boss them around the desk. It's just a, it's just kind of a, you know, like just do as I say, kind of a pawn, send them away. But I mean, I know that not the good, the good ones don't do that. And how do you go about teaching your team when it comes to interacting at the desk and what, what's, what's that process need to look like from a salesman's point of view, you know, and how, how to teach them the proper way to do it? Because I think that really that's the key, right? That's the key today. The having the salesperson really knowing how to approach the desk. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And I worked with most of these guys that are on my team for years before I got into this position. And you're right, Matt Lewis and Shelly Lewis are awesome to work for. We train every Monday on numbers and prospecting and everything that you can imagine in scenarios. Um, but whenever my guys come in for numbers, first off, I've done an early TO most of the time. If, if I'm available, I, I want to meet the customer up front. So when they come in to get numbers, they already know who is doing the numbers for them. So when the salesperson comes in, I go over, hey, listen, this is where we're going to be. This is the objection that I think you could have. Here's a here's a solution for it so you don't have to get up again and you can try to close again, you know, before they're having to get up and come back in. Mm-hmm. So we're walking through processes before any objections come up. Can I, can I just also ask this, um, and, and, I, and we can throw this over at um, at Scott. Uh, do you have or do you all utilize like a customer statement where you actually have, you know, questions like a questionnaire 
like the interview questions, qualify questions, you know, some people call it needs analysis, whatever it is, that you have your people fill out with the customer or do you just let them, you know, get it to memory and then ask the questions, keep it down? Like, how, how do you go about that? Because I know sometimes the deal could be lost and not asking the right questions or vehicle selections not made properly and then all of a sudden the deal goes sideways and it's just, you know, never turns together. So, so what does it look like when it comes, because that's all before approaching the desk and working numbers. So tell me about what it looks like when it comes to that. Yes, Joe, what we do is we uh, train our staff to, after you, you know, meet and greet the customer, you know, uh, invite them inside, obviously make them feel welcome, sit them at, you know, sit them at your desk. We ask a manager to come over and do a meet and greet, you know, offer them something to drink, and then we sit down and, and do a needs analysis with the customer, you know, try to find a common ground, where are they from, where do they work, just to get to know the customer. Um, you know, even if a customer comes in and says, I want to buy a white Honda Accord and it's sitting out front, or I want to do a trade appraisal first, which we'll do that. We, we have a very flexible sales process that we do what the customer wants to do, and we'll adjust our process. We don't do a road to a sale. So we do a needs analysis with the early manager uh, meet and greet, you know, uh, what information they're coming in to get today, and then we work, we work the deal from there, we, you know, to whatever the customer wants. So that, that's how we handle it here. We do have laptops at every desk. We do scan driver's license through Ben Solutions. So every sales rep has a laptop at their desk. And we're big, uh, big into uh, investing in technology. Um, I mean, we, we, our sales reps and team have the best technology in order to be successful. That's great, man. Awesome. That's great. Um, Jennifer, I, I you know we've had we've talked a lot about all kinds yeah, everything. of everything. Hey Jennifer, by the way, it was a whoa show. I Man, she's like whoa. We talked about it all. We got it all in there. I know. <laughs> so I, I'm going to let you start the uh, ending process, if you will. You know, talk about whatever we've talked about here, or if you want to add something to it, just kind of you know go where you want to with it. Take a couple of minutes. Yeah. Well, I think probably because I was actually rushing to make sure I didn't miss getting on the show from, from this leadership strategy meeting that we had on how can we further solidify our CRM to be the nucleus of our, our rooftops. And there's, there's 15 rooftops, so it's a lot to manage. Um, and it is all about building in what you want, using the tools. Like Scott was saying, you provide the best technology and resources to your team but make sure that it's set up to support them, that it's not hurting them um, at every level, whether it's sales or managers. So if it's, you want them to desk, make sure they have templates in the desking software that fit the way you want those things presented. The way that I look at a CRM is that it is your sales assistant or your manager, your assistant sure. manager, or BDC manager, whatever it is. I like configure that. Every single one of these technologies, we're talking about the customer needs analysis form, every single CRM out there will let you put that form inside of it. So you don't have to have a piece of paper. You could actually collect that data right inside. Like Just that. make sure that you have a way to ensure that the processes you expect. The best way to do that is your CRM. Why do you pay for it if you're not going to use it that way? Very good. Great point, Jennifer. Thank you, Jennifer. And uh, I really do appreciate you coming on. It's been it's been a little while, but man, you always you're, you're such always uh, such a great guest. Bring some great content. Yeah. And um, thank well, you very much for having me. No, our pleasure, Marcus Stone. We'll go to you for closing remarks. Just take a couple of minutes, and really anything that we've talked about, um, just you, you feel free to weigh in on. 
I truly believe that having the right people with the right processes and training consistently on managing your expectations is what's going to get the dealer the desired results. Oftentimes when dealers have problems, it's because it's, you probably don't have the right people in the right places. You're probably not training consistently to, to set the expectation of the results that you desire out there. And, and a lot of oftentimes you're not even managing those, those expectations as well, too. You're not holding people accountable. I'm a firm believer in a process. I'm a firm believer in transparency. I'm a firm believer lever and doing things to maximize the deal results with also at the same time satisfying the consumer too because if we don't have the consumer we have no business everybody's talking about the future of the business the carvana the will this end up like amazon and stuff like that if we don't start you know implementing things to to satisfy the consumer while maximizing dealer profits at the same time then who knows what the future holds it may end up being like that but i truly believe in our business i truly believe that we have amazing leaders out there yeah. and if we just grow and groom more of those leaders to implement these these things then i think our, our business is going to be quite okay amen thank yes. you very much marcus and uh uh, make sure you check out Marcus podcast. Marcus, man, give that information out and what time it airs so so our guests can make sure they check that out if they're not already. Yeah, um, I host a morning show called The Daily Dose Show. It's your daily dose of positivity, inspiration, motivation, and education. Everything sales-related, everything to help you to become a better person, to help you develop that mindset. It's 6.30 a.m. Monday through Friday on the Eastern Time Zone. If you can't check it live, check it out on the replay. I guarantee you it's a fantastic way to set the tone for your day. You'll love it. All right. Thank you, sir. Let's go to uh, Joey Book. Joey, man, give us your closing remarks. Hey, man, thank you so much for having me on again. I learned a ton. I think I got two pages of notes from all the guests that were on here. Um, awesome topics. I appreciate y'all having me on. Oh, our pleasure, man. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Joey, and uh, keep knocking it out over there, man. You're, what was the guy that we had on a couple weeks ago, guys? I can't remember his name. Do you remember? Joey, who, do you know who we had on, Ken Joey? Ken Serratos. Yeah, Ken. Okay. Yeah, yeah it was Ken Serratos. I was going on vacation, so I sent him instead of me. Well, let me tell you something, man. He represented you well, and he also gave you a tremendous credit for where he's at. So just a great, great guy there, man. Scott Simons, we're going to give you yeah, the, the closing. Huge asset to our team. What's that? He's a huge asset to our team. We like having him. Thank oh, you for that. No, my pleasure, man. Thank you. Scott Simons, we're going to end with you, sir. We're going to give you the final remarks here. And, you know, one of the things, I do want to throw this out because we told our, uh, we told her we would on Facebook, and, 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 and uh, we'll talk about this after if you don't want to touch on it. But just a question that someone asked online, and, and Marcus just briefly mentioned, you know, Carvana and, and uh, you know, the, that part of the business. But the question that was asked is how are new car dealerships going to gain a larger share a virtual deal business, you know, you have Carvana and, you know, and obviously they're only doing used, but you know, and there's some mistakes and some things, ways they do it wrong, but how are new car dealerships going to you know, how are they going to gain a larger share of um, virtual deal business? And you, you could weigh in on that with your closing remarks if you want, but I just wanted to throw that out there or we could talk about that after, but Scott, give us your closing remarks either way. Yeah, uh, as far as Carvana is concerned, we're a little bit of a rural area. Uh, they are, you know, coming into the area, and they are most definitely going to be a disruptor. Uh, there are some projections that um, could see Amazon purchasing Carvana um, is one of the latest things that I've read. Uh, most definitely um, delivering, you know, customers to car, uh, cars to their house. Uh, we, we, we have heard that they ran into some issues in acquiring used cars. They're going to auctions, paying a lot of money for used cars. Also, they don't know the products that well. So 
the consumers are not getting a thorough thorough explanation of the features and benefits of the car, so they're showing up at car dealerships and they do show up to your car dealership. Don't hold resentment toward them that they didn't purchase from you. Wow them with your customer service and then win them over in your service department. Then you have an opportunity to sell them in the future. But, you know, it's been a, it's been a great year for us. There is, you know, some concerns, some disruptors that we see uh, in the near distant future. What we've decided to do is, is invest in our managers, invest in our leaders, invest in training to make sure that uh, our team is fully prepared to lead um, not only our employees, but uh, lead our consumers' lives forward. Our, our hashtag or our motto is moving lives forward, whether it's the consumer, whether it's the employee. You know, our employees own 26% of our company, and uh, we're very proud of that. Awesome. So we're doing some unique things here to combat um, you know, why people should come want to work for us. Um, but we, we actually went and we hired uh, Glenn Lundy and uh, Danielle Delgado to actually personally coach our manager. So that's how far we've taken um, training and leadership of our leaders. And like I said, we don't just sell cars with our staff. We do, we do life with our staff. So we personally mentor our team. I have about 170 associates, and I have an open-door policy. And if you're not doing things like this in order to be successful, um, you know, it's, you know it, could be, it could be tough times heading for you. Amen. Well, thank you very much. I do, uh, you know, um, have a, somebody that works here that worked for Carvana and just, but just something too, I heard um, a couple of things that I think that are important for the car business, because I think that the car business has an opportunity, new car franchises have an opportunity in the OEMs to really do something special here because one of the, some of the issues are, I think a, a lot of them are the stores or the management and the culture is not very good. And there's just a lot of, um, a lot of gaps there, and it's not just in one or two locations. It's across the board. If you look at some of the employee reviews, it's very, very bad, and it's partially because you know they're, they're the way, some of the ways that are run and by some of the folks, and it's not, um, you know. And then you mentioned about not knowing what they're doing. There's a lot of times where I found out the things you don't hear. They're having to, and this is coming to someone that's been there for quite a while. They're having to uh, to undo deals that are done because they couldn't get the car. You know, they, they had the car, thought they had the car, and then the car wouldn't pass an inspection or something would happen, and they didn't have – they have to take them to new car dealerships or to get them fixed. And that's the – you know, so there's just a lot of things like that. Uh, their financing was off where uh, sometimes the interest rates, if customers wanted to go through them, higher interest rates, which just shows you just there's some there's some things that need to be worked out. But those will get worked out. But I think that's an opportunity for the car business – to own it right before those things get worked out. And that's just some, some, I, some feedback that I, I've heard. I personally never liked the Carvana uh, model, not because that they're selling cars online. I just don't, I, they reminds me a lot of AutoNation when AutoNation first got into the car business. Mm -hmm. They start off with these great big, huge multi uh, million dollar facilities and they were just selling used cars. At that time, they paid $26 million a building yep. per, per, yep. per cop. And, and, and so now, Carvana's entry into the market is a lot less because they're not right. building $27 million facilities. But the problem is, in which AutoNation figured out really quickly, is you need to sell new cars yeah. if you're going to scale to the, to the thing, yeah. to the size that AutoNation wanted to be. And so immediately, they start, when they figured that out, they started buying new car franchises left and right. It was kind of their entryway, entryway into the market. I feel the same thing with Carvana. Mm -hmm. They need someone to buy them. 
in and start purchasing dealing, new though, car dealerships. But the franchise agreements, though, are the, so I, the franchise agreements protect <laughs> dealerships, Scott. But it just means that w one day it might not be that way. So I just think that it's just an opportunity, right, for you know, for dealers to really capture this market. I mean, I think that if dealers got their act together with regards to the virtual businesses out there, they would shut people like Carvana down in a New York second because you know wh why have someone else do something that, that that a dealer can do the internet belongs to everyone right let's just get our stuff together and do it mm -hmm. and so i don't know how you feel about that but that's my two cents yeah. all right well I yeah all right yeah I, yeah new car new car dealer um franchise laws really protect us new car dealers for the areas that we have now could they go acquire you know new car dealers they could but um, you know, Car Carvana. No, no one should take them lightly. Right. I mean, I know uh, it's just like the Teslas out there. They should not be taken lightly at all. So we've got to make sure that we're on top of our game virtually in the showroom and be prepared to, to exceed the customer's expectations every single time. Absolutely, well said. A great topics, guys. We were all over the oh, place, yeah. but I somehow it all it all came together, and I think that's because of Scott Simons, Jennifer Briggs, Marcus Stone, and Joey Book. Uh, you guys were great. Thank you so much for being on today, and uh, we look forward to having you guys back again. Um, have a great weekend, and um, let, I hope your August is incredibly strong. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thanks. All right, guys. Well, hey, great show, great yeah. panel, great guest, great topics. Um, you know. Weigh in if you're watching. You know you want to comment on this last portion of it. You know, uh, the, like Scott said, the, you know the, the new car dealer franchise laws protect him now. And, and he said, don't underestimate him, especially if you get some money behind it, like Amazon. If Amazon throws that money behind sure. it, I mean the the deals have to be structured. But the reality is, or the new car dealerships have to be purchased. But the reality is, I mean that just takes money and and, and the right type of vision. But again, I say this, I don't see why the uh, dealerships can't squash that out. I mean, we sell used cars, we sell new cars, we sell it to the, we sell it to the actual showroom, the actual, sh and so now there's a virtual showroom and we already have internet departments. We're talking about selling cars through the internet. Those same customers that come through the internet right now are the same customers that are shopping you know, at Car would shop at Carvana or what have you. So, or, or, it was, or let me say it this way, the Carvana shoppers are the same ones that they have to go through the internet to do this. So why not just get really good at it and just knock them off the, you know. I, I agree with you. I, I Like I said, it takes, I, it takes I a lot of work. A, I think, I just don't think it's a, a, a sustainable business model. It, the way they currently are, I don't think it's a, like I see them stealing business that. in the short term, mm -hmm. but in the long term, you see how much their cost <clears throat> of acquisition for a customer is. It's out, it's, through the roof, right. then, you know, the cost per car, they're paying more for cars than anybody else. It's not a, a world that you can live in and be successful. No, it it's not. But, it, but, but, the, but if, yeah, and I agree. Listen. And by the way, I'm not advocating. What I'm saying is that if you put money behind it, an Amazon type of money, you could fix those issues. Oh, yeah. You can those fix issues could be fixed. So <laughs> what I'm saying is prior to something like that being fixed or even there being a void for that, we have, we have new car dealers that – it would be, for instance, if, you know, um, here's a marketing company, you know, we we sell dealerships and, you know, let's say we only went face to face and then we only went on the phone like we do now. Well, what if somebody wanted to buy it online? We go, I don't know, you can't buy it online. But you know what Carvana does? Carvana believes in their process so much that if you walked onto their dealership lot and said, I want to buy a car, they would tell you, no, you can't buy a car here. You can't, you can't do that. Did you know that? No. Yeah. You have to buy it online. 
Now you go there to pick it up and with your coin and all the little deal. Well, I got one of those little coins in there in my office, but you, you take the coin down and buy it. But if you went onto a dealership on to their dealership and said, I want to buy that car, they would say what? I'm not gonna tell you who's in here, but someone that's worked at Carvana, what would they say? What would they say real quick? We're a hundred percent online, what? By the way, he was in Carvana within the last month. They were what? 100% We're a hundred percent online car dealership. So none of the cars on the lot you can test drive, or you, and you and you have to go buy it online. They're just here for show. They're just no. They're good. What they're basically doing is they're sticking to their process and they're gonna. They're, it's like my grandmother. It's like my grandmother's couch when I was growing up. It was it had the plastic <laughs> on it. You can't sit on it. It's just for show. It's yeah. just for show. Yeah. So, whoa, but you can whoa, buy it. You can go out in your car, get on your phone, buy it, get out of your car, whoop, put the coin in it and get it. Yeah. But you can't do it <laughs> yeah, there. You can't do it there. Because they're not car people. That's a people. good point. <clears throat> they're not car people. the process so easy that you can literally buy it from your phone? But let me just say this to you. But you can't I, buy it in person. Listen. <laughs> you got to go to your car to do it. I read this article <laughs> yesterday, okay? And right. if you guys want to listen, you know, the viewers here, go to Yahoo Finance. Here's what drove Carvana's Blockbuster Q2. This is August 14th. This came out, okay? This talks about, I mean, they had witnessed the company's near 600% stock price increase over its time as a publicly traded company. And it talks about the impressive figures, all the, the, the profits that all of a sudden they're starting to, to gain again now. Because, yeah, they were taking a beating, but they're, they're not just going away. No, they're I not. Think Scott, I think Scott brought it up. He said we can't take them lightly no. in the business. But they need, they need fixing. They need of fixing. Of course they do. Because their culture do. is really bad. They lose employees because, because, they, because the culture is really, really bad. The scheduling is totally – you literally, it's working there. You don't know what you're going to work tomorrow. Like, right. You don't know what your schedule is going to be like tomorrow. I'm open or closed, but if I'm open, am I opening at 9 or is it 10? Oh, well, this delivery is at 9. Well, no, mm -hmm. no, you can't come until 10 now. We don't need you until 1030. You know, it's just it's very unpredictable, and the hours are all over the place. Let me just shift the gear real quick before we do our giveaway. Hey, I, lo I love what Scott said. Don't, hey, don't, don't, before you shift it off that, i got to read one comment Go about ahead. that, if you're going to shift it. Yeah. I like this, and this, this was sum it up for the dealers, franchise dealers doing it, okay? Sandra Binstock uh, Delio said you have to look at big markets first to do it like Paragon Honda. Brian Benstock, number one Honda store in the world, and then maybe smaller deal dealerships can do it. And I, I agree with that. Mm -hmm. I actually think, and here's why: he has the horsepower to do it, the juice to do it. He has a huge market, like you know, I mean, New York City. He's a he's a giant dealership, mm -hmm. and uh, he's forward thinking when it comes to that. I think that it does, it can be done like that at that level, and then that practice be uh, be modeled and 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 put into other dealerships. Yeah. Well, because here's why we're talking. Here's why we're talking earlier in the show. Keep keep in mind why David can't a dealership in so and so do it. They can in theory, but we're talking earlier about today earlier about having a dealership not be able to handle a thousand leads so that they purchase mm -hmm. and so they go, hey, my guys aren't handling or getting to the one thousand leads that that I just bought because they don't want to or they haven't been trained properly to do it but we're going to teach them how to do this it, it's it's it sounds like it can be done very easily but it has to be implemented anyway go ahead Jim. well no i was just going to say the thing that stood out to me is scott and jennifer both talked about the development of leadership in the in the management yeah. really focusing on keeping the management accountable but empowering them and training them and leading them and giving them the tools to make, you know, and again, just that question, if I leave tomorrow, Scott said, what would you do differently? I, I love mean, that. That was, that, yeah. was, that was so key to showing how that organization works and the fact that- Not only that, that, he actually took some of what they said yeah, and implemented it. Immediately. Yeah. Yep. yeah, that says a lot.
Let's give away our stuff, man. Great show, guys. We got two minutes, so let's give away. First, we're going to give away a brand new book just uh, released, The Art of Grabbing Attention. Um, we're going to first time we've given this away on the show, and I'm going to give one to you, The Art of Grabbing Attention. And really, what you, you know, I want to explain something about this book. It's, it's not, uh, just so you know, it's not The Art of Grabbing Attention like, you know, what do you think? It's a sales book, okay? And, you know, I can tell you this. If you want to sell somebody before you can ever engage them and sell them, you got to get their attention. So in this book, I teach you the art of grabbing attention, all right? And the winner of the art of grabbing attention book is signed by me. Please. Just make sure you post with it. This book's cool, man. We're excited about it. It is Tyler J. Smith. Tyler J. Smith, you win the art of grabbing attention. This book, in my opinion, this book will help your sales get to the next level. What? <clears throat> All right, let's give away the Long Sleeve Auto Dealer Live T-shirt. Long Sleeve Auto Dealer Live T-shirt. Mr. Joe Calla is drawing a name yep. from the Lottery Bowl thing, <laughs> whatever that's called. Send it He's going to throw it to Chris. Ready, Chris? Can you make it that far? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he can. <laughs> Boom. That was literally like against the wall. Like, <laughs> like nice. Two feet in. Good catch. All right, let's see. The winner of the long sleeve auto dealer live T-shirt, Heather Gray T-shirt, is what is it with the Smiths today? Brad Smith, Smith Brothers. What? All right, Brad Smith, you're the winner of the auto dealer live long T-shirt, long sleeve T-shirt. All right, let's give away the auto dealer live white hoodie. It's a it's a summer hoodie. I know we're getting into the fall here, but it's it's a thin hoodie. You can wear this hoodie all the time. We're gonna give it away. It's popular. That was, a little, that was a little deceiving there, Joe. You barely made it that. over the net. <laughs> that was short. <clears throat> All right. The winner of the Auto Dealer Live hoodie is... Matt Groves. Matt Groves. The Smith streak ends <laughs> with Matt Groves. Make, make sure you guys, when you get this books and these shirts and stuff, make sure you post and tag me and tag the show on it and uh, to let us know what you look like in them. Uh, Melissa Sigmund, I know we got a hoodie uh, recently and posted, and um, we, we really appreciate that just so we can see you guys in them. And, and uh, we, we just really love we, we, want, we love the, our audience, and we want to get you guys um, and this this uh, merch, um, this swag. And uh, great show, guys. Yes, it is. Dave Cribbs, man. He, Dave Cribbs must have closed the deal because he hasn't come in yet. Yeah, that'd be great, man. Hey, we got a minute? Nope. We got it's time, right? It's time. What time is it? My watch says four thirty. All good things must come to an end. Four thirty two. All right. See you guys next week. See you.